Progressive Metal has a new team in its corner. Mark Anthony Rossi and John Patrick Robbins are music critics of a mighty but misunderstood rock genre. Walk with us into the metal future. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Metal Future. Really appreciate having you on board, and thank you for those questions. Uh, please continue with them. This will be uh, episode uh, 106, Reflections on Rush. That's right. I think that nothing can really give you the signature of Rush as listening to their song from uh, the uh, Moving Pictures album, um, Tom Sawyer. It, it, it's just a panic of who they are. And you hear that and you're like, oh, yeah, that's Rush. Sometimes, for some people, that was the first time they really heard Rush at all and, and knew, wow, these guys are really different. Uh, because they've seemed to meld everything together, especially in that song. you got the, a great guitar going on. Great, interesting drums. It's a simple radio song, and the, and the drums are, are, are like an orchestra. I mean, that's because of Neil Peart, who just died recently. We'll talk definitely more about him on the show. And, of course, you got a, um, a really interesting voice. Uh, Getty Lee's probably got one of the most unique voices in, in rock and roll. I, I dare to say that um, he's perfect for that group because I really can't hear him in, in some other group because he has a distinct voice. It seems to just work with what they do. God bless him. And of course, uh, you got a, a real penetrating guitarist over there who just really was trying to do um, a, a sort of a bluesy uh, Pink Floyd kind of thing, but in a rock setting. And, and just an incredible voice, incredible uh, uh, voice in, in, in his, his guitar sound. He had that sound that you, you could just hear when you hear it, the voice of his guitar. You're like, oh, yeah, that's Alex Life, and That's definitely him. He just had that distinctive, uh, you know, um, guitar voice, as they say. Now, don't forget, folks, before I get reminded, uh, this is a Canadian band. So anyone who calls me up or sends me an email or a text or something, hey, don't forget to remind people that uh, Rush is Canadian. Yes, I will. Okay, no problem. Canadian band, through and through. All right? Now, maybe there'll be a few things on the show we'll talk about that most people are not aware of. Okay? And, that, and that's great. I mean, I'm always happy to do so. Okay? One of the things that people are not aware of is that this band has been around since 1968. And it wasn't until 1974 that Neil Peart joined the band. Because the other uh, drummer uh, by the name of John Rutsey, he wound up quitting like two weeks before they were about to start their, their national tour. And then they got Neil Peart on board, having to learn all the old stuff. And of course, going forward from there, creating some incredible albums and some incredible music. Neil Peart died just a few weeks ago of uh, brain cancer at 67. He had an, an incredible musical life, but an incredible, uh, I, I would say, uh, tragic personal life. With uh, Not even 15 years ago, he lost his wife uh, to cancer. Then he lost his daughter to a hit-and-run accident. Uh, and then, of course, he lost his life recently to brain cancer. I mean, thankfully, he was able to rediscover his life again, remarry, have another child. And, and at least retire from the band and have some some life uh, before he was able to go. Of course, we don't really ever know if, if they uh, if they wound up ending the band because of his diagnosis of cancer or if that came later. We don't really know. It's a strange coincidence, and 
I'm not looking to find out, but whatever it was, he did his time and and it went out with some real real grace and, and real glory, which is a lot of what that band was about. Um, having that same lineup for I don't, over over 30 years, uh, actually about 40 years, is just amazing. It really is. Anyone who's ever seen Russian concert will always tell you that they never left, you know, uh, brokenhearted. They never left unfulfilled. They always left with, wow, these guys know how to rock. They know how to do interesting things for the fans, and and, and they really were able to belt out a lot of 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 their of their songs and, and their albums. They put out many many albums. Now, before I feel, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of really, really hardcore fans, and I'm a long-time hardcore fan, but I don't like to go you know, into things that have nothing to do with reality. But I feel that before Permanent Waves, where it released that radio single, The Spirit of Radio, no one really heard much about uh, uh, Russia, really got into them. I mean, that's, that's, that's when I first heard about them in America. You know, I mean, I heard Fly By Night, but, you know, it was just a, a typical rock song. It, it didn't seem anything special to me. And quite frankly, some of their other albums and their other music, I just didn't really care for. So I was happy when Permanent Waves came out because it, it seemed like a, it was a new incarnation of that group. And it was a theme that I felt went on to the end, to the end until they retired. They really were able to put together a, a good formula of um, interesting drumming and, and piercing guitar playing and, and some really good uh, heartfelt singing by uh, Getty Lee, and who, by the way, is an incredible musician, uh, able to sing, play the bass, and then still use the pedals to operate synthesizers all at the same time. I don't know how he can do that. I really don't. I'm still amazed by that. And, of course, one of the most fascinating things about this group is that all of the lyrics, all the songs, they were all written by Neil Peart, the drummer. And he had some incredible things to say. I mean, I thought he was one of the most interesting uh, lyricists in rock and roll. I mean, a really uh, a profound, um, intellectual, um, very, very enjoyable. He just always made you think. And I thought that was really important because many times rock and roll music was, was accused of being the music that was all about sex and violence and Satanism and all this other nonsense. And don't get me wrong, I'm not in the denial stage. Yeah, there's some sex and rock and roll. That's part of what it is. Yeah, there's also some violence, too. Unfortunately, there's a couple of bands that mention some Satan stuff. Oh, well, you know, King Diamond, uh, Merciful Fate, there's a couple right there off the, off the bat, all right? But ultimately, that's a tiny bit of what rock and roll is all about. It really is. And I mean, so I didn't want to say that, you know, rock and roll doesn't have any uh, literary or doesn't have any intellectual backbone. They would be very wrong. Listen to Pink Floyd, listen to Rush, and you've got a huge uh, segment right there of rock and roll that'll that'll definitely uh, perform not only, I, I feel, uh, lyrical treats, but also educate the masses about things. And I, I really think that they're able to do that. And we like to talk a little bit about that, okay? Here's some of the lyrics that Neil Peart had written for some of the, some of the more popular uh, classic songs of, uh, of Rush, okay? Uh, the one from Limelight, one of their big songs from, from Moving Pictures, okay? There are those who think that life has nothing left to chance. A host of horror horrors a, to direct our aimless dance. So it's just an incredible philosophical piece about how oftentimes we can just be wandering around in life trying to figure out what is our, what is our path. 
what is our journey? What you know? What is our um, destination? What is our purpose? Uh, it's a, a beautiful song to talk about that. It really is. Uh, and then it continues on to a planet of playthings. We dance on the strings of powers we cannot perceive. The stars aren't aligned. Of all the gods are maligned. Blame is better to give than receive. <laughs> One of my favorite uh, uh, Rush lines, no doubt. All right, uh, next, uh, from Tom Sawyer, a song that is incredibly philosophical, also slightly political. It really is. But uh, oftentimes when Rush is political, you really can't always tell because the writing is so good and he doesn't like to come right out and hit you over the head. It's better for you to just uh, kind of spoon by digest it and, and kind of like catch it from there, you know? Just listen and, and learn. From Tom Sawyer, no, his mind is not for rent. To any god or government, always hopeful yet discontent. He knows changes aren't permanent, but change is. <laughs> Another one of my real favorite lines of Rush. It, it's just incredible that we can talk about a musical uh, band and then talk more about the lyrics, I think, than sometimes the music. Not that their music wasn't fantastic, because it was, in my, in my opinion, and in my book, but... It's nice to have another side of the coin for that and talk about lyrics. I mean, I can have a whole show just on the lyrics. That's how that's how wonderful these guys are. All right. Another another incredible song from Grace Under Pressure, one of the songs that came, one of the albums that came out in the eighties. One of the albums that really started a, a lot of synthesizer for them. People uh, criticized that, but I thought it was a good balance. It, it really brought some richness to it, and there's some incredible songs on this album from the beginning to the end. All about the uh, the fears and the paranoia and maybe even the dreams uh, of the Cold War. Uh, from Red Sector A, hoping that there wasn't going to be another Holocaust. But what he describes of uh, the future Holocaust sounds just like the Holocaust we had in the 1940s in, in Germany. Ragged lines of ragged gray. Skeletons, they shuffle away. Shouting guards and smoking guns will cut down the unlucky ones. I mean, just that entire song is just it's just brutal and, and just really hits you hard. The the synthesizer for it especially, you know, it, it is haunting. And there's a lot of songs that way in that album that are that way. That last song, you know, between the lines, uh, excuse me, between the wheels, just a, another haunting song of future wars and, and and a generation that hasn't really got their act together. What 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 the hell album? Just incredible. But these are just some of the lyrics of of this band and what they were able to really convey. You know, to to the audience. Now, Neil Peart is considered by many, including myself, to be the best drummer in rock and roll ever. There's all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, of course, counterclaims, and all kinds of other folks will chime in. Uh, you know, Keith Moon was from from the, um, uh, I think he was from the Who, and uh, you know, he died from drug overdose. And well, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin died of alcohol overdose. Dudes, huh? Can you stop dying, please? Ridiculous. Um, and, and these were actually influences on Neil Peart, by the way. But I feel that uh, Neil Peart definitely was. Uh, definitely didn't help um, most folks that didn't have a longer career, because who knows what we could be talking about now. But Neil Peart stood around and stayed around. Uh, he was voted the world's greatest drummer 17 times in a row. So this is this is definitely a, a drummer that was consistent and. I mean, if you listen to most of the songs, I'm telling you, from Permanent Waves on to that when they ended their career, you'll always be amazed at how he did not take 
the safe road. He didn't take the easy road. He didn't just do a couple boom, boom, boom just on a simple song. He always filled that air up with all kinds of incredible things. There's not too many drummers that did that. I always felt that one of the few that did that was Stuart Copeland from, um, from, from the police. And ironically, that was also a power trio, just like Rush. So I don't know if that's a, a real um, real trend there where you, you're in the trio now you got to do more work as a drummer. I don't know. But that's another one that's reminiscent of that. It uses all kinds of incredible jazz and blues and African and, and, and Cuban, and you just can hear all kinds of different influences flying all over the place in that, just filling up the air, and not with useless nonsense, but things that made sense, and, and, and sometimes even purposely off on timing. That's that's how incredible this guy was, uh, that Neil Peart. So, I mean, you cannot be helped be fascinated by the, by a band that uh, that had such a, a, a long lifespan. And, and I'm telling you, some of the... Uh, some of the songs they had, they really covered some of the important things that were going on in our lives. Uh, Grace Under Pressure, the album, really started off with a lot of the, a lot of the matters about the Cold War. You know, about possible Holocaust, about technology taking over, about people being, you know, at the at the ready on a, on, a, on a moment's notice to push that button and, and, and destroy the world. Which, you know, we were at that, that preface with uh, both us and the Russians at the time. So it was, it was great to see a, a band talk about that. And then, of course, their next album, Power Windows. Now, it's funny because I, I, I listened and enjoyed Grace on the, on the Pressure when I was in California in the Air Force. And then I moved over to Germany, at the time West Germany. And that's when I listened to Power Windows, which came afterwards. And that was really great because it talked about all the different windows you can have in your life that um, that sort of influenced you, whether you, you were drawing from a, a small town uh, whether you were drawing uh, from uh, from using weapons, it was just always these different windows and and how they led to power, good and bad. You know, because power is just like anything else—a knife, a gun, money. It's the same thing. It isn't good or evil. It's about what you do with it that makes it good and evil. But it is it is in itself its own uh, energy and, and its own moving force. Um, the next one came out, which I absolutely loved a uh, whole. Hold Your Fire. It was a real album that really had more emotional term to it. A lot of a lot of wonderful songs. Uh, Time Stands Still with that beautiful Amy Mann, also from, from Canada, that Till Tuesday group that was out. She, she did a little bit of singing with them. That was the first time I ever had somebody other than themselves, you know, sing with them, especially a female. So that was really wonderful to see. Uh, talking about some of the older memories with, with, with older friends and, and, you know, how time was going by and how you really needed to Hold on to memories, but also try to do your best to create new ones so you're not stuck in the past. A, a lot of wonderful songs, that one. There was a beautiful song about China and, and a lot of its culture. And, you know, listen, and it, they had a sort of an Asian uh, synthesizer on that. I really like that. There's a couple of great songs about, you know, the instinct uh, and, and driving people, how they can also be good and bad, and how you had to try to harness that. So that Hold Your Fire is really something else. A lot of people love that. The Signals album, which came before Grace um, Under Pressure. And, and that was definitely one of my favorites, too. It had a lot of the massive theme to it with, with space. Uh, Subdivisions, another big hit for them, was incredible. They're talking about how the, the suburbs can also be very very boring and very soulless and how sometimes they could drive the youth to the cities and they, they go out and do stupid things, whether they're racing the car or getting drunk or maybe experimenting with drugs. 
And I don't think it was a way to blame the suburbs of the boringness, but this reminds you that sometimes when you're in that prefab existence, you want to break out and do something else. And sometimes what you wind up doing isn't exactly uh, what your parents taught you. But that's what living and life and, and testing your own boundaries is all about. And, and it's definitely a part of, uh, you know, the rehearsal uh, of learning to be an adult and, and of course, learning uh, more about what is right and wrong for each of us as well as for the world. So that was another fascinating, incredible album. Uh, I, I loved an album that came out uh, later on after uh, a Hold Your Fire called uh, Presto. It had, had some of the most powerful emotional type songs. Songs about suicide and songs about, you know, um, judgment of other people. There was the first song I've ever heard him talk about uh, 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 somebody being gay and how it's stupid to discriminate against him. Uh, there was a big song about the environment in over there and, and it's synthesizers and keyboards. And that was really, really haunting. So that was really a, a fascinating uh, album right there. You know, another one, uh, Counterpoint, was a, another fascinating uh, album with, uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of songs about different things that balance out in life, you know, different directions people will, will take and, you know, how oftentimes it still it still leads them to, you know, to what they want to do, but it just shows you that oftentimes we can be a sum of our choices, and that album talked a lot about that. I think it was really the last of the really interesting albums before they took a break, because at that time, not too long afterwards, uh, Neil Peart, you know, had his wife die, and I think he took three years off the band. So they didn't do anything for, for quite some time, because he was dealing with that, and of course, the loss of his daughter from a hit-and-run accident uh, about a year after that, so the hell of a blow to somebody to do that. I know he took um like um, one of those um um not trailers. They're like mobile home type of vehicles, you know, those type of things. You can live in them for a while and drive around. He drove all over America with that. Just to try to find his own bearings and get back his uh you know, his own understanding about his own life and you know, probably to get through all that he had to go through. That's that's really some in, in, incredible stuff. It, it really is. But this is a band that took forever to get into the American Hall of Fame. I know the Canadians recognized them earlier, and, and thank you, because, you know, in some instances, um, America, we're not always that sharp about these kind of things. We let some of the better bands go to the wayside. I mean, we supported them in the concerts and the tickets and the buying of the albums, but when it comes to some of the bigger awards, we didn't. I know they were nominated numerous times for Grammys, got a bunch of Juno awards from up in Canada, which is the equivalent of the Grammy. You know, and some a lot of lifetime achievement awards. They were truly, truly a, a fascinating and a group, and, and lots of bands, you know, open for them. Really, really, really benefit from learning about who they were. I know that um, there was a, a couple of bands. I think Red Rider, another Canadian band, the Lunatic Fringe was one of their big songs. They they went on tour with them for a while. I think Kansas did too. One of the American bands I always liked. So they, they had a lot of fun uh, together, these these bands. And no one had anything bad to say about Rush. They were easygoing people who, who you know, who, who did their did their business. Very professional, artistic type bands. And of course, Neil Peart never had any problem sharing. There, there's a million stories about him sharing uh, his thoughts about drumming, uh, lessons, ideas, all that sort of things. Uh, he corresponded with a number of drummers. A number of drummers had asked him things that he was always happy to share. He's a very generous and decent man about that. Probably one of the one of the best. They they say that the uh, the singer for Boston, God rest his soul, was probably one of the nicest and, and generous 
uh, for artists uh, in rock and roll, but I, I think definitely Neil Peart is up there, especially where it concerns the drumming. Because I can imagine, you know, how um, many people would be drumming uh, in the beginning doing all that, you know, to have questions, you know. But he's definitely one of the one of the most incredible drummers out there. And if you listen to anything he's ever done, you'll hear that for yourself. For yourself, you don't have to listen to me talk about that all day. You know, to truly being uh, to truly be impressed by by them. Now. One of the things I liked about Rush is that they were never a band that got caught up in the fame. They, they were never a band that got caught up in all that hoopla. They really didn't care. And in fact, they're one of the few bands to really talk about it a great deal. You know, I know um, uh, Limelight was one of the songs they talked about. The Spirit of Radio was another. These are songs that talked about some of the negative aspects of, of fame and how you couldn't get you know, caught up or involved in that, how it would eat into your artistry. You know, how eventually it would eat into your soul. So it was it was great that they talked about that early on, which I always found amazing because, you know, they were a band that had a loyal or a following, but they were never a band that was super mega famous. I mean, it took many, many years for that, for that to came about, and they never really was a household word. All heard about them in rock, but beyond that, it's not like Madonna where everybody heard about Madonna. You know, I mean, nobody, you, know, you can't say that everybody heard about Rush. Most people didn't. Didn't know anything about rock and roll, so and that's fine. Um, that's not any kind of knock against them, and that's not really any kind of milestone you're supposed to make, because in the end, they did what they wanted to do. Uh, they they stuck to their guns, and they changed oftentimes, many times, the kind of sound they had. I mean, the '80s were, were a lot of synthesizer. Back in the '90s, they went to a harder guitar edge again. You know, then they went to an older blues uh, version uh, you know, in the 2000s. So they they. They changed around a lot, but they always kept it interesting, always kept it authentic, and they always kept it rushed. They didn't try to be anything else. Although they did have a funny, they have a funny interlude one time um, with an album called Roll the Bones. It came out in the early 90s, and I loved it, don't get me wrong, but they actually tried to do a sort of semi-rap song, <laughs> Roll the Bones. They, they tried to. It, it was kind of clever. It was fun. But it definitely wasn't Rush, and I'm glad they never tried that again. But it was good that they did the experiment. There's a lot of wonderful, interesting, introspective songs on that album, especially, uh, you know, Ghost of a Chance was really a, a beautiful album about trying to find love and, and how difficult that is, you know, in a complex, modern, and often cynical world. But a lot, a lot of wonderful songs in that album. It's just amazing how many albums they've had out that have so many incredible songs. I mean, really, you could play albums of Rush and not even find a bad song. I'm not joking. And and that guy often wrote so many interesting things. He wrote a song one time um, on Grace Under Pressure. It was a song uh, called I See Red. And all he did was talk about different things in red. And he said in an interview one time when he talked about it, one of the few interviews he talked about his lyrics. And he said, yeah, I was just trying to find different things to say about red. I don't even know if I have a really stupid meaning or an overall theme there. I was just doing red stuff. I thought it was fun to do. He actually was able to say a lot of interesting things about red. But in the end, he, he's saying it's not really a, a cohesive song about one subject. So it was it was fun to do. I know those were the big red scare times during the Cold War. So I'm sure that kind of worked in well because that whole album was about the Cold War, Grace Under Pressure. And I thought that was interesting. So he did a lot of interesting things, that guy. A lot of, a lot of fascinating experiment things that, that I, I felt worked out. Um, 
on moving pictures, uh, they're, they're really big success. Um, I really want to put them in the multi-platinum status. They have an a instrumental called XYZ, and that's where you hear a lot of interesting drumming there from, from uh, Neil Peart. Just instrumentals, no no song there, nothing, but it, it's really, really fascinating. And uh, I I loved, loved it, and it's great to hear. Good warm-up, especially in the morning. Sometimes it's good just to play when you're in the gym. <laughs> Doing some exercise, listening to that. But I tell you, one of the few bands I listen to for the lyrics, for the, I mean, I still listen to this today. I listen to things over and over again sometimes. Wow, I didn't catch that before. That's how deep these guys are. I do the same thing with Pink Floyd. There's not too many bands that do that. They're one of the two bands that I really do that with. But you really can get something from them over and over again. Sort of like Godfather. You can watch it many times and I catch everything until you, you catch one day. Oh, yeah, you meant that. Oh, yeah. So it's the same way. That kind of a masterpiece uh, of music and, and, and lyrics. Now, I tell you, one of my reflections on on Rush is the is the forever controversy about that Getty Lee doesn't have a great voice. And me, I never made sense to say that because he sounds great in what he's doing. I mean, is he going to be out there doing jazz one day? With some acoustic guitar, uh, no, probably not, okay? He's not going to be out there doing rap either. Trust me, that didn't work out on that one song. But just because, you know, he doesn't sound like Paul Rogers or Robert Plant doesn't mean that he's not a fine singer in his own right. He fits what he's doing, and that's all that matters in the end. And he often changed the style of his voice, and I always found he was great. So I never had any problem with that at all, you know? And, and, and you know, quite frankly, you can't make singers interchangeable things. I mean, he couldn't sing a Rod Zeppelin song, and there's no way Robert Pana, considered one of the greatest rock and roll singers, could even sing most Rush songs. It would sound sucky. So he works what he's supposed to do, and that, that works out fine. So I don't really understand that criticism at all. It makes no sense to me. You know, it, I don't know. It's just Rush haters or just people that, you know, they, they want too much rather than just sort of appreciating what's there. And there's a lot to appreciate about Rush. And I always felt that, you know, he was, uh, in my in my opinion, a wonderful singer for the kind of music that he was doing. That's the best way to describe it. I'm not trying to be over-diplomatic because I'm not going to lie to you. When I come up with the top 10 rock and roll singers, uh, Getty Lee from Rush is not on there. He's not even on my top 25, okay? So I recognize, no, he's not one of the great singers in rock and roll. But he does the job. I'm happy with him. And I'm never going to criticize him beyond that, okay? Now, Rush has had an enormous influence on many, many bands over the years, okay? I mean, everybody, okay, from from Dream Theater. Uh, I, I heard that uh, Trent Raisin from Nine Inch Nails had a, a, a big influence over him. He said that Signals was one of, the, one of the band that one of the real one of the real albums that helped him understand about how he could put synthesizers successfully in rock and roll. He said that. You know, directly, uh, Marilyn Manson, incredibly enough, had a lot to say about uh, Rush and how they had influence over those bands. So it's just uh, amazing how many bands out there taken really a, a lot from Rush and, and you know and ran and ran with it. So they really are, in many ways, the musicians' musician. Everybody says that, and I definitely believe that is the case because they are so darn professional and they're so incredibly artistic and, and interesting. They just 
you know, one thing you can always say about Rush, I mean, and I, without exaggerating, you can always say that Rush was never boring. Even when they tried different experiments that always necessarily worked out, it was never boring. It was still interesting. And that's the key right there. Because you can tell they're putting their heart in it. They're putting their brains in it. They're putting my, their integrity. They're putting the time. They're putting the hours. They're putting the sweat. They're putting the tears. And maybe even some blood into it. But they're putting all into it to get to give you something that you know definitely is unique and, and has that rush, that rush stamp to it. Because I'm telling you, no one ever sounded like Rush. I don't know if they ever will either. I mean, really, I've seen I've heard some influences here and there, but you're not gonna get those guys. Because that's that's what makes Getty Lee so interesting as a singer. No one sounds like him. Probably nobody ever will. And maybe that's that, that's the best thing that to be that unique. Stand by yourself. Why not? I mean, I'm I'm definitely gonna appreciate that myself. And I really, really love the fact and how unique they became. Now I liked Alex Lyson a great deal. He reminded me a, a lot, just like Neil Rupert reminded me a lot of what Stuart Copeland was doing in the police as drummer. Uh, Alex Lyson reminded me a lot about what Andy Sumner was doing in, in the police too. Uh, a lot of that atmospheric uh, kind of guitar work where um, you're, you're doing great work. You only have so much time to do it because most Rush songs, just like a lot of Sting, uh, excuse me, like, like a lot of police songs, one very long. So you only had so much time there because you are serving a song structure and often some lyrical, you know, content there. So you're not able to blaze away on lots of things. But what you can do, you do fabulous. And I told both of them did that and maybe again i don't know how much you have to do as a drummer in the trio to be fabulous but i know as a guitarist i would see how you'd have to do a lot more than the average you know guitar player that to, to, to really uh to really stand out and make sure that that unit is cohesive and again it's not surprising that triumph another power trio uh surprisingly from canada as well um came out and and, and that, that guitarist uh, rick emmett was was fabulous as well i always liked him Another, another interesting and uh, great uh, rock trio uh, from, from Canada. So there you have it. I mean, uh, reflections on, on Rush. Incredible uh, drummer, probably one of the greatest in rock and roll, if not the greatest, in, in my opinion. One hell of a lyricist, might be one of the best. I don't know too many people that are up on the top 10 list of, of what they do as a musician and then what they do as a lyricist. This is not too many, you know? It really isn't, so. I mean, Sting's another fabulous lyricist, but, you know, he's a, he's a decent uh, bass player, but I, I wouldn't put him up there in, in, in the great bass players out there. Although, Danny Lee was really, really a good bass player, so he definitely deserves it and to be in my top 25 for bass players. But not Sting, but hell of a hell of a good, uh, lyricist and, and, a, and a wonderful uh, vocalist Sting. But, and, of course, you got Alex Lyson, one of the, one of the most fabulous guitarists in, in, in rock and roll. Really, really kept to his own guns and, and did everything. Even when he felt some of the songs might have squeezed him out when they were doing synthesizers, he kept it. And if you listen to uh, Grace Under Pressure, an album that really introduced a lot of synthesizers for them, you'll also hear Alex Lifeson doing a lot of wonderful guitar solos, especially that last one and that last song for Bettina Wheels. The guitar solos on there, they are searing, they are heart-wrenching, and, and they are they're just cosmically beautiful. So... Don't let that don't let that fool you regardless. 
All right, folks, that was my take on Rush and reflections on Rush and Neil Peart. God rest your soul. Until next time for uh, Metal Future, this is Mark Anthony Rossi. Take care and God bless. Don't forget to follow the show. Leave your comments and click over to our site, metal-future.com, for the latest metal album reviews.